Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. All right, uh, joining us on the phone now, Mira Estrada. She is a host and uh, producer at Toronto 640. Uh, good afternoon. Hi, how are you? Excellent. Thank you very much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, you've uh, written about caremongering, and we're hearing that's a new term that uh, is being used a lot. And basically, it's just, uh, I guess it's a, a way of describing what we're doing online. We're getting together in this battle against COVID-19. Tell me about it. Yeah, so I mean, basically, it's the it's almost like the opposite of fear-mongering or scare-mongering, um, because there's a lot of that going on online as well. But it's really groups of people, big and small, like just from a few people to thousands of people, really getting together to help um, people in their communities, things as small as, you know, um, dropping off groceries for them, um, providing emotional support, um, or even just providing humor. Um, and it's not just great for the people they're helping out. It's, I think a lot of us are sort of feeling helpless, like in what can we do? And I think it's really just providing a good feeling for the people that are, are doing the care monitoring as well. Yeah, it really is inspirational, all the stuff uh, that's happening on social media and online. And, and my thought, Mira, is I wonder how much of this will continue after we flatten the curve, after we kind of take on and to some degree defeat uh, COVID-19. I wonder how much of this caremongering will continue. Maybe this is something we're going to see more of going forward. Exactly. I mean, and to me, that's really a big part of it is like these movements of care and solidarity. You know, I'd really love to see this after the crisis that these kind of things can actually be built into our policies and our institutions. And, um, you know, this is sort of like, you know, like that that fork in the road, like which way are we going to go after this? And like this is when our governments can step up and like build a framework for helping the people that are in need right yeah and you know we just announced here in the province of manitoba uh the premier and uh dr roos and manitoba's top doctor top doctor just announced that uh, uh non-critical businesses will close on wednesday for two weeks and yet businesses are really the one i mean everybody is don't get me wrong but businesses have really stepped up online haven't they Hmm. for sure yeah and i i think we're we sort of went through that maybe it was about a week and a half ago with our non-essential businesses closing. And it sort of feels like everybody has stepped up, even those businesses that had to shut down, they really stepped up online, even where they, they can't make the money just to be there, um, to be there for their customers, providing like in terms of especially the fitness, like providing free virtual fitness classes, um, just so many different things. Um, and it's so interesting to see all of these people coming together in so many different ways. You just mentioned that you in Toronto went through this a while ago, non-critical businesses closing down. How has that gone? Because as of right now, or, or I guess starting on Wednesday, we're going to have two weeks of that here in Manitoba. How was it there? You know what? Um, it's. I think it's, it, it, it's, of course, it's very difficult for all of these business owners because this it's so it's so hard to see people that have built up these, especially the small businesses, their entire life's work, right? Um, but you hope with the government, uh, very quickly, they went from subsidizing 10% to 75% of wages. And um, I think our government has done a great job in helping these businesses. 
But from a personal perspective, I think I've seen how little we can do without and, you know, really going back to a much more simple lifestyle um, and just back to the basics and just enjoying the simplicity of things. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's it's obviously different and we have to wrap our heads around it. Uh, but I, I don't disagree with you. I think that maybe, you know, that is some more good uh, that will come from this. There is still mm. some haters, you know, still some haters and hate online on social media uh, and online. In fact, I just got a text message from Tyson at 204-780-6868. And Tyson says, uh, Hal, I've been hearing too many stories about people lashing out at employees of essential services uh, because they're told to distance themselves. It's pathetic. Kind of, he, Tyson sees it as a form of bullying um, talk a little bit about uh, the outing that's happening online. And, yes, there are some villains out there, too, aren't there? Yeah. I mean, in every story, we have our heroes and we have our villains. Um, and, yeah, but I think when when we look back on this in history, um, are we going to remember, you know, we're not, I think we're going to – who's going to stand out the most? I think it's going to be really the frontline workers and those heroes, especially like when we think about all of these medical workers and the people that I think if you just even think a few weeks ago that we didn't pay that much attention to that we should have, like the people that are the garbage truck drivers and the delivery workers and all of these people on the front lines, they have suddenly become front and center. And I really hope that after this is over, we pay much more attention to these everyday heroes. And I think those villains, I hope, will take a backseat. And even you'll see celebrity. Like, I cover a lot of pop culture and celebrity. Celebrity has really taken a backseat. Yeah. And the celebrities have really stepped forward and, and done a lot as well to flatten the curve, I think. I've been impressed by some of the celebrities, and I, I think that's the right way to use your louder voice, right? If you are a celebrity or somebody who's somewhat well-known, I feel like it's almost your responsibility to do what you can in a time of crisis, and we're certainly seeing a global crisis right now. Oh, 100%. If you have that platform, like, please, like, use it for some good. And especially, they have a lot of influence over younger people, and younger people, a lot of them were the ones that were not taking it seriously to begin with. I think there's been some change in that. Um, so if you have that influence over that younger demographic, use it for some good. Mira, thanks a lot for this. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Mira Estrada, she is a host and a producer at Toronto 640, our global news radio station in TO. And if you want to read uh, her piece on caremongering, um, just go to cjob.com or globalnews.ca. Her first name is spelled Mira, M-E-E-R-A, and just caremongering. If you search that, I'm sure it'll pop up. Uh, it's a very good piece if you want to go and read that. Bill Campbell is the president of the Keystone Agricultural Producers, and he joins us now. Bill, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. I couldn't help but uh, think of uh, farmers, your members, yesterday as the weather got real nice, and I thought, boy, you know, in normal times, farmers would be thinking about seeding. What are farmers thinking about right now as we deal with this? Are they still looking ahead to a normal seeding and, and harvest and all that? Or, or where are we at as, as farmers? Because we need them and rely on them more now than ever. Well, Hal, I would suggest to you that the spring of 2020 is anything but normal. 
Um, I was visiting with a fellow yesterday, and he was out harvesting. Um, so, and I personally have some unharvested acres from the 2019. And once we see the snow start to disappear and the temperatures warm up and the water start to flow, we're starting to be reminded of the harvest from 2019 and all the ruts and all of the mud conditions that have been left. And so we're going to have to deal with them before we consider seeding in certain instances. And so um, there was a lot of uncertainty and a lot of uh, challenges with regards to seeding in 2020 and then COVID-19 has certainly impacted a lot of producers uh, plans and uh, you know I would think that most are you know we're we're planning on producing a crop that's what we do Uh, we're not bailing out yet but uh, there's a lot of concern and a lot of worry. Yeah as you point out there are some people uh, harvesting the 2019 crop and you're looking ahead to 2020 last year was a huge challenge this year is starting out as a maybe an even bigger challenge in many ways um we you know talk about businesses that are forcing uh, that are being forced to shut down uh be through this and while uh, farming is a way of life and a passion and a love it's also a business um do you worry that some of the farmers may not make it through last year and now this year well it it certainly has been front and center on our minds when we have our discussions we've been having uh, twice weekly discussions with our board of directors and it you know it kind of brings itself up and i guess we need to understand the magnitude of what will happen here in the next month or six weeks is that Manitoba has approximately 10 million acres of seeded crop. And if we look at a conservative number of $300 an acre of inputs, we're looking at a $3 billion expense that we are going to be encountering by putting seeds and fertilizers and different things in the ground that we can't get back once we put them in the ground. So how are we going to be able to harvest and ensure we have a market for our crops? We need to really get around an economic sustainability for agriculture. I think there's been a a bit of a change in the focus of consumers in Canada and realizing the importance of food. But, you know, this whole conversation is secondary to the health of Canadian citizens at this point in time. And is this where the talk that I'm hearing of uh, making farming and, and farmers essential, an essential service, is, is that something that would, would help uh, because, you know, we're inundated every hour with new information around COVID-19? Mm-hmm. And I haven't heard a lot about uh, help for farmers and farming. Am I, am I right about that or am I wrong? Well, I, I would suggest that you you have interpreted very well, Hal. Uh, we have been, uh, and I think today was uh, sending out some letters to the government to find out some clarity with regards to essential service or critical service. Um, we need some clarity about whether we will be able to do business throughout the summer and whether or not our input suppliers will be able to do business with us. And the announcement today, I don't believe that I heard anything about agriculture in there. Um, you know, right now, I, I'm personally doing business with moving livestock for transportation to facilities so that they can be fed and provide food for Canadian citizens. And I need to know whether 
you know, that will continue on. And will we be able to haul our grains? Uh, you know, there are so many uh, secondary industries that are reliant on agriculture, and, and we need to know what the business model is going ahead. And, and, and most of the announcements that have come from the federal government, to be perfectly honest and frank, are more loans and more credit available. These credit programs require repayments and with interest. Um, agriculture in this point of time has been somewhat acknowledged, but there has been deferrals. But right at this point in time, we got to pay all this money back. There's no grants. There's no concessions. Um, we are doing business as best we can as normal, but there is no normal business anymore. And, you know, and, I, and I'm trying really hard to give politicians the benefit of the doubt right now because I think for the most part we're lucky in Canada. Yeah. We've had politicians doing a pretty good job. I get the sense they're putting out fire. It's almost like they're putting out fires, right? And not that your fire is not yeah. an important one, uh, Bill, but maybe there's a little bit of time before uh, an announcement needs to be made. That doesn't ease the concerns and worries of farmers and you. I get it. I understand that. I'm hoping, mm-hmm. though, that they're saying, okay, we're, we're going to get to that. Uh, but just as a, a farm organization, how how long can we go? How much further down the line can we go before farmers, your members, have to know what are we going to get and whether or not it's worth seeding that crop? Well, if we get to that critical question, whether we seed or not, I would suggest probably the 1st of May would be the the scope when we will have widespread seeding. And, um, you know, there may be some areas, depending on the weather, I uh, understand today is a pretty nice day, but looks like April 1st we're going to get some cold temperatures, some snow uh, may delay the seeding process, but sooner the better. And, you know, I guess the, the part that would be appreciative is the conversation, and I agree with you, the government, both provincially and federally, are doing the best that they can. This is such a wide, encompassing, broad-spectrum concern, and the health of the citizens is primary, but we also need to eat, and we also need to be able to continue doing business to provide those food sources as well. So, um, you know, you know, in my farm, if I start investing in the seeds in the ground and don't have the opportunity to harvest it, I'm done. I'm out of business. Uh, And um, you were talking about a lifetime and four generations that would be placed in jeopardy if we don't have some clarity and some certainty about going forward with agriculture. Let's hope you get that information soon. Bill, thanks a lot for this. We have a lot of farmers that listen to CJOB, and I feel like we haven't on purpose ignored them, but we've been dealing with all kinds of other stuff across the country, around the world, really, and I, I thought it was important to get you on for a few minutes today. So thanks a lot, and please keep us updated, all right? Well, thank you very much for the opportunity for agriculture to be engaged in the conversation because we need and want to interact with everybody in this province to do the best that we can to provide food for, this, for citizens of this province and country. And that's what we do. Just let us do our business. So thank you. All the best, Bill. Bill Campbell, president of the Keystone Agricultural Producers, joining us here on CJOB. Stonewall, Manitoba native, Alan Cross, musicologist. Alan, good afternoon. How are you? 
I am good. I've heard you a few times on the station. Uh, tell us how you're faring through COVID-19. Well, it's not terribly too bad for me because I work out of the house anyway. I've got my office and my studio here. So, uh-oh. No, I'm fine. <laughs> don't um, even, don't even my, do, don't no, even no, do no, that. I, no. I just took a sip. I took a sip of water just before I came on the air with you, and that's the problem. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it really hasn't affected me all that much because with technology, working from home is something that I've been doing for the past five or six years. Yeah. So it's, it's not a big deal. But what's driving me nuts along with everybody else, is that just knowing that I can't go out and do something is driving me crazy. I, I, I want to go out and, and have a nice meal. I want to go out and hang out with some friends. I'd like to yeah. go out to the bar and have a drink with some people. I'd like to go to a movie. You know, all those things that you just can't do anymore. I, I need some computer equipment because some stuff is broken down here, and I can't go to any of the stores because they're all closed. Yeah. Right, yeah. And, you know, you're a music guy, and, I mean, just being able to go out and check out a show somewhere or, you know, a little corner bar where there's a, a duo or, or a trio playing, these are things that we can't do. But we can do that sort of stuff online now, and we're certainly seeing a lot more of it online. And and as our conversation is going to progress here, it, it you believe, and I think it's true, that art and there are other good things but certainly art is coming from this covid19 pandemic it's not going to be here for a while but it is on its way uh musicians are trapped in their homes like everybody else and musicians are going to do what they do which is to express their feelings thoughts and observations in music and when this is all over and it will be over sometime later this year we hope Uh, We're going to get a flood of new music from these people who have been writing and recording in their homes. What form that music is going to take is another question. It could be very quiet, sad, introspective, that sort of thing. Or it could be a reaction to being freed and able to go out. So it might be rather joyful. We're not really sure. Time will tell. But I think towards the end of this year, there is going to be more music than we know what to deal with. And I wonder, you know, how we're going to react to all. I guess, you know, it may not all be directly, you know, we may not be able to tell it's all COVID-19, but there will be some of that. I, I was just reading Nine Inch Nails is, is online with a couple of surprise albums. Um, so we're starting, and that may not have been created uh, during COVID-19, but we're certainly, uh, you're right about the art uh, going forward, but I think we're also seeing these artists using um, online, the internet, the World Wide Web, in a way that it maybe was used before, but not that much. We're seeing more of it. At the very least, I think that's happening. It is. Artists have been deprived of touring revenue, of playing live. So they are doing all these living room concerts. They are doing uh, rehearsals. They are doing special performances. They're even getting the whole band together and playing in an empty gig so people can watch on Facebook or TikTok or Twitter or Instagram or YouTube or whatever. Uh, I'm looking right now at a press release, a daily update that I got from Universal Music Canada. And uh, right at the top of it, it has a list of all the artists that are doing things online on either a daily or weekly basis. For example... Mm -hmm. At 1 p.m. Eastern, every single day, uh, members of uh, the Arkells are uh, holding music lessons for people who want to tune in. 
Uh, Brian mm-hmm. Adams is doing daily performances. Um, who else have we got here? Uh, Snow Patrol is doing songwriting sessions on a weekly basis. And it just goes on and on. There is not a day that goes by where somebody is not doing something online, using this new technology, finding new ways to reach out and to express themselves and to maybe create uh, another revenue stream. Um, there's, a, there's an organization called Patreon, a company called Patreon. Yep. And basically it allows you to become a patron of an artist or somebody who is uh, online. And uh, Patreon has seen over the last two weeks uh, 30,000 new accounts created, most mm. of these by people who have been deprived of normal income because of the coronavirus. And uh, people are reaching out and people are you know, contributing a few bucks here and there uh, because they realize that these performers, these people who they depend on to tell us how to feel and how we feel uh, are, are, are dying on the vine because they've got no place to play. Yeah, right. And you mentioned uh, touring and merchandise sales, and that's the way musicians and bands make their money now. They can't do that. A lot of the content online is free, or as you point out with Patreon, you can you can say, well, it's free, but I'm going to give them 10 bucks or, or, or make a donation. Do you think that once we get through this uh, this COVID-19 pandemic, or at least this, this, uh, this round of it, do you think that their artists might go, hey, there really is a way to make money online. Might it be a revenue stream beyond making a donation through something like Patreon? I think it is a given that this is going to mark some kind of technological shift when it comes to uh, presenting music and other performances online. However, when it comes to the arts, they are always experienced best in person. And you, 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 you need that we have this innate need to gather with other people for a communal experience. So while I think it's going to take quite a while for us to get comfortable with going to gigs and concerts and festivals again, because we're going to be pretty suspicious of, of something that we can't see for a very long time, but we will bounce back. Uh, and I, you know, September, October have has the opportunity is going to be extremely busy because we had not only are the, the the regular shows for the you know late third and the entire fourth quarter already scheduled. There's all this stuff that was scheduled for the spring that has mm-hmm. been moved to the fall. So you know, Pearl Jam has moved a lot of uh, their their shows to the fall. Smashing Pumpkins today just moved a lot of shows to the fall. Coachella, Bonnaroo have been moved to the fall. Uh, Roger Waters with his uh, This Is Not a Drill Tour, that's been moved to the fall. So uh, The Who has another tour that moved to the fall. So there's going to be something happening every every night of the week. Plus, we hope that the NBA and the NHL will be back in business. So it's, it's very possible that we're going to be completely overwhelmed with, uh, with with stuff to do come later this year. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a pent-up demand for it. Now, will we have money to buy a concert ticket or a sports ticket? I guess we'll have to wait and see how long this goes on. Hey, uh, you mentioned you worked from home for five or six years. Give us one or two working-from-home tips, because for a lot of us, this is new, and we're trying to figure it out. So what are some things that Alan Cross has figured out working from home over the past several years that might be good advice for the rest of us who are doing it for the first time? Number one, set an alarm, get up at the usual time. Number two, have a shower, get dressed like you're going to work. Number three, sit down, have breakfast, but 
put a time limit on how much time you're going to linger over breakfast. Number three, go to your place of work and concentrate on everything as deep as carefully as you can. Take a break like you would for a coffee break uh, every couple of hours. Stop for lunch. If you can, go outside, even if it's just to walk around the block, and then come back and start your work again. B, when you get back to work in the afternoon, don't think about, oh, I could maybe rake the lawn or I could do some laundry or I could, you know, take the car for, for get gas. No, wait until after five o'clock because that's the end of the workday. Keep your schedule as regular as possible as if you were going into work. That will keep you disciplined. That will keep you sane. Good advice. Hey, uh, Alan, thanks a lot for this. Really appreciate your time as always. Not a problem. Call me anytime. Joining us on the phone now, the Prairie Director of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, Jonathan Allward. Jonathan, good afternoon. Well, thanks for having me, Hal. Well, your reaction to the latest uh, announcement here from the Prime Minister? Well, it's it's significant, and for us, CFIB, this was the biggest thing that we were pushing the federal government to do because we think it's really the single best measure to help small businesses across the country and their staff. This is going to be very beneficial to thousands of businesses and, and really hundreds of thousands of their employees across the country, and we're, we're very excited to find out the rest of the details tomorrow. Um, I know you guys have been doing a lot of polling in the business community, and I believe this is the latest information you have for us. Clarify that. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. A quarter of small businesses cannot pay rent, and many of them will have to come up with that rent or lease payment on Wednesday. Yeah, that that is as as current as we have it. We've been putting out a survey to our 110,000 members every Friday now with everything happening, and uh, this was collected actually over the weekend. So in Manitoba, that is uh, just over 20%, or about 21% when I checked this morning. It's very concerning with April 1st quick approaching. So uh, we talked details about the Prime Minister's announcement, and as you said, more information. We're getting information very quickly, right? We have to always say that because more is coming. As soon as we figure out what one measure is, there's there's more information or, or another one coming. What about a business, because we just heard uh, from the province that all non-critical businesses will need to shut their doors uh, starting Wednesday for two weeks. So uh, this government help is based on salaries of people that can keep working. Am I right about that? Am I understanding that properly? Because well, if you have a business that can't operate, uh, can you uh, collect that help? Well, well, in part, and, and that's exactly one of the big questions we have to figure out tomorrow. We're, we're hoping that it's going to be made available uh, for those who who maybe aren't actually in the business working. Uh, you know, if you look at, uh, I was talking with a, um, a couple who owns a massage therapy uh, clinic in Winnipeg, and, um, you know, they're going to be forced to shut down because of everything that happened today. They'd, they'd already taken precautions and, and uh, closed by and large, but this is, you know, a question for them and for their staff, is this going to be applicable? And, and hopefully we'll have the rest of the details tomorrow. What kind of businesses is it going to fit? We know it's going to be big and small, but does it uh, have to be incorporated, for example? One thing that was encouraging that we heard today is it looks like um, they're not going to put a cap on the number of, of staff in a business who can benefit from that. So that's certainly encouraging. And, and hopefully those businesses that can uh, will, will top up for their staff as well. 
and while this is a, uh, a benefit based on wage or I guess a wage subsidy program, essentially, uh, it again doesn't cover what we were just talking about, a business's rent or, or lease payment, does it? Exactly. And that's one of the things we've been really trying to focus on now here in Manitoba. There, there are a number of measures, although they're not going to help uh, every small business, certainly, there's a lot of help to, to keep staff on board or help small business owners or their staff if, uh, um, if they don't fit in the gaps with employment insurance. Manitoba has taken some uh, steps, really positive steps, to change uh, labor standards to, to make all this more beneficial or, or as, as least negative as possible for business owners and their staff. But those fixed costs, like rent, like property taxes, like a lot of different loans that business owners have and have to repay some utilities, they need help for that because, you know, like that massage therapy clinic, they are forced to close. They literally have no means of earning right now. When I talked to that owner, they are paying $160,000 a year between rent and utilities. They still have to come up with that kind of money. Yeah, and if people need to understand that too, maybe that aren't familiar with what with what some businesses pay for uh, rent uh, and utilities and and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I mean, it's one thing to come up with uh, nine hundred, eight or nine hundred dollars uh, for rent for mm-hmm. a one or a two bedroom apartment. Many of these businesses are paying several thousand dollars every month for the location that they are in. How, how yeah. will, and, and based on your numbers of a quarter of small businesses not being able to pay the rent, even if a landlord says, I'm going to defer it or defer some of it, how will they ever catch up again? Well, and, and that's exactly, and one of the things we're, we're asking for the provincial government here in Manitoba, for example, in, in the city of Winnipeg, um, you know, defer property taxes, help pass on those costs down the road at, at a bare minimum. Ideally, we would like some sort of rent assist or rent subsidy for a lot of small businesses to help because, to your point, how are you ever going to catch up? And, you know, if this is prolonged for three months or or even longer until we get back to uh, more of a regular revenue stream for a lot of these businesses, um, that's that's looking like an insurmountable task. So, Help is is sorely needed. One one encouraging piece that the federal government also announced is a a forty thousand dollar interest free, free loan up to forty thousand dollars. We're still trying to to figure out exactly which kind of businesses are going to fit into that uh, to be able to access it. But uh, about a quarter of that, or up to a quarter, is going to be uh, forgiven. So if you are able to get forty thousand dollars to help your business. Uh, you can get that interest free and only have to pay back thirty thousand of that. So that's encouraging. We're hoping that that will include costs uh, like rent to help a lot of small businesses in the meantime. Jonathan, I'm sure we will be talking again soon. Thank you for always being available because we hear uh, by text message, by phone, and and by email from a lot of business owners out there and a lot of people that work for businesses. And, uh, you know, as as we all know, small business uh, drives the economy not just here in Manitoba but right across the country. So we appreciate your expertise and the access we have to you. Well, I, I appreciate that. And just really quick, if, if any small business owners out there are wondering about the changes to uh, critical services in Manitoba today, uh, there is a website set up, Engage MB, to, uh, to find out uh, those questions. But you can also call CFIB at one triple eight two three two, or sorry, excuse me, 234-2232.
So thanks. Jonathan, thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.